You talking too much Please learn how to listen I never give up, I'm not quitting I'm persistent Welcome back to the YI Network, where we interview every job occupation, A through Z, from the trash man to the CEO, and ask them how and why they started doing what they're doing so that you can find your dream job, too. Today, we have our special guest, Mr. Dave Hinton. He's been a technology consultant for over 30 years, and he now teaches engineering at Howard Community College. Now, let's go ahead and dive right in. Hey, guys, I'm here with Mr. Dave Hinton. He has over 30 years of technology consultant experience, Mm -hmm. Um, currently works at Howard Community College. Um, Now, Dave, can you uh, please answer the question that everybody wants to hear? How and why did you become a technology consultant? It was really out of need uh, Mm -hmm. that I saw. You know, one of the things you learn in being a salesman, they always say that if there is a need, you have to create one. Well, I came to a period when uh, certain jobs weren't available to people. Mm-hmm. So I kind of created my own job, okay. so to speak. So I started in technology, especially in CAD, around the early 80s, around 1981. And that's when PC CAD was just beginning to come about. So when I went to, I went to school, as a matter of fact, uh, the Retz Tech Center, mm-hmm. I started as a manual draftsman, but then they offered, after, they offered a uh, position uh, a course for CAD and it was experimental. This is before even the community colleges started teaching CAD. And I decided to try it. Now, mind you, it was only five of us mm-hmm. taking this class at this tech school. And I was number four from the bottom. I was next to the worst person using a computer. Mm-hmm. And I just stuck with it. Uh, and then I was uh, asked to come to Northern Virginia to work for a defense contractor by the instructor. And Basically, what we did was we scanned drawings for the military and converted them to CAD files and put them in a format that they could go back and read you know, on their systems. At that time, PCs were still at the 286 level. Windows really wasn't in existence at that time. So most of them were DOS or Unix. And at that time, we had two versions of Unix. We had uh, Berkeley Unix and AT&T Unix. So you had to learn both. So a lot of this technology, we basically had to learn on our own. What I discovered working for this defense contractor is that there was an aftermarket. I had to actually train the clients how to use their own systems, how to read those files, and how to change them, modify them. So I decided to start my own business, just branch out doing that. And at the time, I was working in Northern Virginia, Burke, Virginia, as a matter of fact, in Crystal City. And I decided to go back to Baltimore and then just start knocking on doors. I discovered that working with uh, the company was that there was a lot of architects that had computers, but they didn't know how to use them. So I basically went to the architects and said, I can show you how to use your computers more effectively. At that time, networking, PC networking, was still in its infancy. We were still working on Novell network systems at that time. So what I would do is I would show the people in the front office how to actually connect to a network how to actually work, you know, create a workflow that included the network. And then the back office part of it, I would show the architects and engineers how to use CAD. So I began to show them how to apply the technology. And that's how I ended up becoming an innovation consultant because as new innovations come out, a lot of companies don't know quite how to use it. A lot of the larger companies, the corporations, they have the money, they have the resources to actually uh, acquire that training. 
And what I found was the smaller companies didn't. So I found that I could go to the smaller companies and teach them how to use the tools. Okay. So that's how I became one. Cool. Um, let me ask you. Let me ask you something else. So you said that you kind of created your own your own your own path. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did it take you to like figure out like what age? How long? How many years or months or how how long did it really take you before it really hit you that okay this is. Uh, I was actually, I was around 26 years old when that started. Mm-hmm. Uh, before then, I was working in retail. I got robbed twice. After my second armed robbery, it told me it was time to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Now, when I graduated from high school, I was going to be an aerospace engineer. Mm-hmm. But when I graduated from high school, it was 1973. That wasn't too long prior that Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. Mm-hmm. When the United States landed on the moon, the need for aerospace engineers seemed to have slacked. Okay, it died off. So I didn't want to you know, go to school for something where there wasn't going to be a job. So I decided to work retail until I made up my mind what I wanted to do. And inadvertently, an armed robbery kind of made my mind up for me mm-hmm. to go back to school. And that's when I decided to go into drafting because I love to draw and create things. I always love to sketch spaceships and uh, submarines. And to this day, I still sketch uh, my concepts. I carry journals where I actually sketch out my concepts. And from there, now I can build them. I have 3D printers at home, so I can actually build prototypes as well, besides just building 3D models. So I started when I was around 26, and it began to evolve from then on. Okay. Um, Now, what do you like the most about your job? The challenge of the unknown. The child's of the unknown? Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you like the least? Paperwork. Paperwork? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a necessary evil. That's mm-hmm. understandable. Uh, when I work on contracts, and it's one thing that you have to learn first off when you're starting a business, you don't start the project until you have a contract in hand. Mm-hmm. A lot of the projects I've worked on has been basically on a handshake. Okay. It's been a gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I've been burned because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It's a matter of, I just want to get in there and just get it done. The pay, once we negotiate what the pay is, okay, my job is to get this done within a certain amount of time and produce it uh, to a high quality. I used to have a website. I don't have a website anymore simply because my name has been passed on. So it's been all by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I've built that reputation working with various companies. Okay. Okay. Uh, What's an average day like for you? My average day. On average, number one, I sleep basically around four hours a night. Mm-hmm. And you find out for a number of people uh, who do this type of work. It, came, it really started when I was working in Northern Virginia, where my group, I was a night manager, so my group would scan the drawings in the evening and prep the drawings, the, file, the CAD files, so that when the people came in the morning, they had the files to work with. Well... Quite naturally, they always had meetings. And when did they have the meetings? Around 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it was no need for me to go home. Mm-hmm. So I developed that, that routine of just sleeping four hours. And to this day, it still, it still uh, happens that way. So when I get up in the morning, uh, now that I'm here at the college, I pick up a colleague and bring him to work. Uh, even if my classes start around 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm still here in the morning because I have administrative things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I'm finished that, when I go home, I still have projects to work on. For instance, I built a STEAM program for roller skating. 
uh, which was now five years ago, I sold the uh, the copyright to uh, this nat- nationally known uh, skating, well, this company that owns roller rinks across the country. And then they actually used that uh, program to actually bring city schools in, wherever they're located. And they're taught the physics, the science, the engineering, technology, and math behind roller skating. And originally I designed it to educate them about the roller skating business as it, as it stands. So now I've created a STEAM program, which includes the arts for roller skating, which uh, right now is the Baltimore, uh, Baltimore City is now considering. And I have one I just finished last week for bowling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do own the copyright for the one for skating, STEAM. And now I just applied for the copyright for the one for bowling. So it's an effort to get younger people into these particular sports and these forms of recreation. How I created it, it was based on one of the challenges that we have for people going into engineering is that they normally drop, they normally fall, fall down when it comes to math. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe it's the way it's been presented to them. Mm-hmm. If you want to get someone involved into into these particular fields, you got to show them how what they learn in the classroom actually applies in everyday life. Mm. I found by looking, watching roller skating, and my company, is, my family has been in roller skating for years. Mm. You would watch the kids come in, and they skate around. They understand the physics, but they don't realize they're doing physics. Mm. They understand the math, but they don't realize they're doing math. So by showing them how it relates to something that they do on a regular basis, something they have fun at doing, it tends to stick with them. Okay, So we're doing much the same thing with bowling. They show them the physics behind bowling and also the science itself of bowling. And when we get to the art, it's basically there is an art to the way a bowler actually bowls. So by doing that, you're going to get, you're going to get a younger generation involved in those particular sports or those forms of entertainment. So I've been working on that. At the same time, I'm still working with a couple other firms as far as we're coming up with a risk management system for uh, entertainment, well, bowling and skating in particular, as far as how do you map the system. Okay, So I use my skill sets with GIS, Geographical Information Systems, how to create a map that is an active database that they can keep track of where the accidents occur. Once they identify on the map where the accidents occur, then in their report they can decide, okay, is it something, is it the physical uh, aspects of it? Is it the person or is it the bowling or the skate skating equipment that they're using? Mm-hmm. So the insurance companies will now have a more accurate picture of what actually is happening. So we're finding companies are beginning to get involved with that. I'm also working on a robotic system, very similar to a Roomba, for cleaning those type of facilities. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of robotic systems out there, but the one I've developed is unique to this particular type of uh, entertainment, which I'm planning on presenting to uh, the uh, Roller Skating Association in October. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how my day is. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds very action-packed. And normally I get calls... It depends. Uh, from I work for a number of fire protection agencies where the companies will call me, give me the address of a building that does not have a fire plan. Mm-hmm. So I go in and actually field measure the building. So I measure the walls, identify where the exits are. So basically I create 
a floor plan of the building, sometimes a 3D model, depending on if they want that or not. Sometimes they don't. But I turn over, I normally give the drawings to them within 24 hours, and that's what they like. So, especially during the summer, I get calls from companies to do that. Okay. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. So, okay. you, said, um, you said about 26 years old is when mm-hmm. you figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, really, what I want to know is, like, what are some childhood hobbies and habits that you think attributed to what you're doing today? Mm-hmm. You know, like some... One, reading. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm an avid reader. Uh, I grew up in Baltimore. Uh, the uh, Enoch Pratt Library on North Avenue, I used to visit that every day mm-hmm. when I didn't have things to do around the house. And when we moved to uh, Park Heights, uh, I did the same thing with the library that was up there. So reading is one. Uh, other habits, basically, I'm uh, number four of seven children. So there was three older than me and three younger than me. So I was too old to be the youngest and too young to be the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a lot of responsibility as far as main, keeping my brothers organized, my younger brothers organized, and making sure they did things. So I learned early on organization skills okay, okay and negotiation skills mm-hmm. uh, because of the way our family was structured. So uh, one was, uh, of course, reading. Uh, my love to draw, okay, being able to sketch my ideas. Mm-hmm which uh, I constantly do because it increases my skill set, and uh, basically learning some basic organization skills. Mm-hmm. So those are the things I tend, I'd say, probably led to this. Okay. Um, now let me ask you something, because uh, uh, just to piggyback off that, like, what do you think are some values? Because I know a lot of people have like uh, their values line up with their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think are some values that you brought with you to um, what you're doing today? Well, one is... I always try to do the best I can. Uh, I always believe your word is your bond. If you say you're going to do this, you do it, okay? And there's no backtracking. Now, yes, I say I'm going to do it. There are times when I might not be able to get it done on time, but I do get it done. Uh, and normally it's, it's a matter of respect when anything else. Uh, and being able to accept criticism because there isn't a person on this planet that is perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, a lot of times people tend to get jaded, yeah. you know, believing that they know everything and they want to pr- they want to give off that persona, but it's going to come back and haunt you later on. Yeah, of course, you know. So I try to think in terms of what's going to be the impact of what I do now, how it's going to affect me in the future, okay. and how it affects other people. Okay. Uh, it's not to say that uh, I'm constantly worried about what people say, okay, because I believe my actions actually show. So I don't really uh, go around flaunting what I do or sticking my chest out saying I did this, I did that. I'd much rather for people to actually see the results of my work. Okay. And it seems it worked for me. Okay. So uh, if if you don't mind me asking, what Mm -hmm. impact do you uh, feel like you bring to the table that you feel like this is something, this is my legacy, this is what I want to die with? Well, I guess the fact the I guess the history of the various projects I've worked on behind the scenes that uh I see today are still uh, going on. Like okay. for instance, uh 
the, you probably don't know the Shake and Bake Family Fund Center. Mm -hmm. My sister and I, we're the original managers. We put it together. And after 32 years, that place is still running. Mm -hmm. No matter who the owner is, they're still following that same format that we set up. We had no idea it was going to last that long. Uh, even when I started here at the college, I was working with Dr. Lowe, who's a nuclear physicist at Howard, Howard University. And they had a project called MATCAT, which was basically a consortium of uh, the University of Michigan, at that time it was called Bell Labs, and Howard University. And basically, it's at Fermi Labs. They timeshare uh, these, they call them hutches, to scientists to actually measure or use, ex create experiments with x-rays. I learned more about Bremsstrahlung radiation than what I would have ever learned sitting in a classroom with nuclear physicists. Mm -hmm. But I actually helped, Dr. Lowe would sketch out what he wanted and I would actually draw it up and they'd actually manufacture these parts. And to this day, that system is still running. Okay, so it's projects like that, that uh, to me, I can look back on and say, I did that. The, the last project that I was working on at the same time with Dr. Lowe was the, uh, the redesign uh, of the new Woodrow Wilson Bridge. My job there was to take the engineering drawings that various uh, engineering company, design companies came up with and build three-dimensional models of the bridge. And then we superimposed them in photographs. And my name is not on the photographs. However, they were used in the New York Times and the Washington Post to explain what they were getting when they built the uh, Woodrow Wilson. Again, it's another project. It was years before I ever drove over the Woodrow Wilson Bridge and knew when to realize, wait a minute, I actually had a part in this. So those are things. And I don't think I'm at the end of the road now. Of I think there's not. all new things coming. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Let me piggyback off something you just said. Um, mm -hmm. This is one of our uh, fan favorites uh, with the podcast. Do you think that grades mattered in school for the success in your career right now? I've gotten in a lot of trouble. <laughs> because in the, in the working world, it's can you produce, okay? Uh, yes, you can have a 4.0 grade, uh, grade uh, uh, point, average. point average, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can do the job. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the person that has the ability to sell themselves is the person that's going to get the job. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies in the career courses, they will hire you if you have the skill set. The challenge is when they decide to go into management because they tend to use the, your degree or what degree you have as sort of a barrier as to are you capable of actually you know, doing the job and going into management. So we try to advise students that you do need that degree, you really do. It may not help you, you may not think it helps you at the beginning of your career, but as you begin to get uh, closer to, let's say, closer to middle age and you decide, I want to get off the technology treadmill, I want to get into the management of the new people coming in, or you may be forced into doing that, then you're going to need that degree. And that grade point average is going to actually matter. But then again, it also depends on what particular industry you get in on. Because... When I started CAD, PC CAD was in its infancy. So I came in when it was just starting, and I've been with it ever since then. So I've seen it evolve. A lot of things where we require, you know, a degree in engineering, I get grandfathered in 
because of my actual field experience. So they do count. The field experience eventually does carry more weight than the education. Okay, but initially, when you're first starting out, yes, you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's let's wrap things up. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are searching for a career, and some might be interested in your the position you're in right now. Mm-hmm. What's one piece of advice that you could give them uh, that you think will carry them forward to help them figure it out? They always say, "Do your homework," mm-hmm. which in in, re- in reality, yeah, you want to do your homework. But you first got to find out what it is that you love doing. Okay, uh, teaching is not something I I wanted to do. It was a calling I just never heard. I came here on a bet. It was an architect that bet me I couldn't teach more than four people at one time. And I said, pick a place, any place. And I was still an independent consultant. And he picked Howard Community College. To me, Columbia was a halfway point between Washington and D.C. I had no, I mean, Baltimore, D.C. And I had no inkling of this at all. So it wasn't something that I saw I was going to do. But I'm kind of glad I did. After 29 years of being here, I'm kind of glad I did because of the fact that, one, I've helped a lot of people get jobs, you know, and get do pretty well. The other is I could see how uh, technology is evolving and deciding when do we should when should we start teaching people how to use this technology because the way I see it is the end game in education is to provide a uh, uh, what they call an intelligent workforce to industry. So it doesn't matter whether you're coming you're graduating from a two year degree with a two year degree or you're graduating with a four year degree. The end game is you're going to get a job when you finish. So we should be providing you with those skills that's going to help you get that job. But first you've got to make up in make up your mind what it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to change. It is going to change as things evolve. But there's some basic things such as reading, reading comprehension, writing, and speech. Those are going, you're going to, and math, you're going to need those because it's going to take you a long way. And it's something that you have to constantly practice. And we have, and I've seen a number of people who don't like speech. I don't like to talk that much either. When I'm outside of the classroom, I don't speak at all when I'm out, outside. I only speak when I really have something to say. Well, we have a number of students who think that, well, I'm going to get this job and I'm going to sit in this cubicle all day long and I'm going to do just this task. That's not the way it works out there. The more skills that you have, the more, I'll say, the more lucrative your market or your, your work experience is going to be. And you have to hone those skills. The, the question I always give students is, okay, if you don't speak, if you don't like to speak, Who's going to speak for you when you go on that interview? Okay, It's not going to be your mom. It's not going to be your dad. It's not going to be your friends. Only you can speak for yourself. You know what your capabilities are. Mm-hmm. And not only do you know what your capabilities are, you also have to be aware. You better be able to prove it, too. Mm-hmm. So those skills are required. But a lot of times uh, students tend to think, or I'll say some students tend to think that it's going to be handed to them. Okay, I've got a 4.0 grade point average. I'm on this committee. I'm on that committee. I've done this. We used to have, we had a gentleman to come in one day, and we were telling him about what our students capable of, and he just cut it off, uh, cut us off. He says, "Look, 
I hired people to make money for me. When I hire you, I'm assuming, based on what you're telling me, that you are an asset. The minute you become a liability, you are no longer working for me. That's when I realized that we need to make sure that that stays in front of the students at all times because, yes, you're going to work for somebody. Okay, Even if you're self-employed, you're still working for somebody. It's all in how you handle it. It's all in how you do the planning. And it's not that hard to do, but it does take perseverance. The other thing is you want to surround yourself with people of a positive nature. You do. Okay. I don't like being around people who are constantly negative. I just, if I, if that's, that's their way of thinking, that's their lifestyle, I don't want to deal with it at all. Because if you're around like-minded people, you tend to excel. You have ideas you can bounce off of people. And now that we have things like social media and the Internet, you have a wider range. You have more people you can reach out to. But at the same time, you do have to temper that with you do need face-to-face you do need people, support around you that's going to always be there in your corner no matter what, whether, you know, the good times or bad. Okay. Okay. David, I think that's a wrap. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes podcast, SoundCloud, and Google Play channels at YI Network. And make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at YI Network. That's Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, all that. And if you or somebody you know loves their job and would like to inspire others too, make sure to email me at whyimpassionate at gmail.com. Again, whyimpassionate at gmail.com. Talk to you guys soon.